Hello, everyone, and welcome to Who Pod 7. My name is Blair Beveridge, and thank you for once again joining us here today. Today's guest is none other than Trainer Jody. Now, Jody is a good friend of mine, so I passed the interviewing task on over to my co-host. This time, Tara Lynn Puxty took the lead, and she did an absolutely outstanding job. Um, I should apologize in advance. I uh, was into the libations a little bit during this podcast, and and uh, in, in, in a couple spots, I'm, I'm a little obnoxious, and everything to me was funny, and uh, you, you know how people get, so... Um, I'll try not to do that again, humans, especially if I uh, am running the podcast, but uh, um, it is what it is. So I hope that you at least find my stupidity mildly amusing. Uh, anyway, uh, this is an absolutely outstanding podcast. Uh, Trainer Jody, or TJ, as we were, tried to refer to him throughout the, pro- uh, the course of the podcast, you know, he spoke very frankly. He taught us some really cool things about accents. Uh, and and spoke, uh, as I mentioned, very openly about mental health issues. Uh, This is one of my favorite podcasts to this point. Uh, He did an absolutely incredible job, and I hope you guys enjoy it. So without further ado, Hoopod number seven with our guest, Trainer Jimmy. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, wherever you may be, and welcome to Who Pod, uh, the podcast by humans for humans. Today we are joined by the very awesome trainer Jody. Hello, everyone. <laughs> uh, we also have Joey. H- hello. I'm here. Oh, hi. Hello. G'day. You're still there. I thought I lost you for a second. And we do have I'm really Blair. sorry for the delay. Like I said, thunderstorm, so that may have been the problem. <laughs> oh, I hello. thought you just fell asleep. Hello, everybody. <laughs> I am also here. Hi, And Blair. I am Tara Lynn. So I am really pumped to be uh, interviewing TJ today. I'm just going to call you TJ. Is that, that okay? worse for me? I've been called awesome. much worse. <laughs> All right. So could you tell us a little bit about how you stumbled upon the human community? Uh, well, uh, like, uh, like Blair and I think like 300 other people, uh, back when Geek and Sundry was only a YouTube channel, uh, they ran a, uh, a contest to become an official Geek and Sundry vlogger. And, uh, I submitted, uh, a very poorly done, uh, introductory vlog to uh, a show that I actually continued for like a year and a half called Training Day. And, um, yeah, I, uh, I got to meet Blair. I got to meet, uh, Elias, one of your former, uh, guests and just a ton of other amazing, lovely, wonderful people. Um, I, uh, was there day one when, uh, uh, when the Twitch channel went live and I'd been watching Felicia and Ryan stream on a relatively, uh, frequent basis. Uh, I watched Ryan, a, a lot more than I watched Felicia just because for whatever reason, Felicia always streamed when I couldn't watch her. Which sounds really creepy now that I've said it. Um, <laughs> she did it deliberately. That's exactly what it was. Uh, but uh, yeah, and so um, I kind of got it uh, uh, in, uh, inducted into the human collective uh, by uh, just kind of uh, hanging out with uh, Ryan in chat and uh, you know getting to meet everyone uh, through that like Liang. Uh, I'm gonna try this one more time. Liangulus, Liangulus. There we go. Lee. Just Lee. <laughs> Lee. Yeah, we'll go with Lee. She's lovely. She's wonderful. Um, and so, yeah, I got um, uh, I got hooked, to be perfectly honest. Once the Twitch channel 
uh, launched and we started doing like really amazing, awesome stuff through that. I got super hooked and uh, I try to watch as often as I can. Uh, I'm a big, big critter. Uh, so yeah, that's kind of how I got introduced to all of this stuff. Yeah, well, speaking of critters, you hosted a 48-hour D&D. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah. Um, so Wizards of the Coast, the guys that make Dungeons & Dragons, uh, mentioned uh, back in like August of last year, July or August of last year, uh, that they were going to do a 48-hour live stream um, uh, to uh, raise money for Extra Life. And I was on... Uh, the, uh, I think it was the only or one of two uh, Critters forums uh, at the time. Uh, and I went, you know, it'd be really cool. You know, we're, you know, Critters and Team Human have done so much. Like we raised all that money for Lupus and we, you know, raised money for 826LA. What if we were to do this? Let's join the D&D team. Let's, you know, show Wizards of the Coast that the Critters are awesome people. And uh, so, yeah, I, I made an inquiry on this uh, forum that for the life of me, I can't remember the name of. I think it was Critters D&D or something like that, or the Critters Forum. Anyway, and uh, yeah, I, I asked people, hey, would you be interested in doing this? And it uh, it caught on super, super fast. It was originally only supposed to be about, uh, it's only supposed to be 24 hours, because I'm like, I'm not going to be able to get enough people to play D&D for, for that long. Like, 24 hours is going to be tough. And people just kept asking for it and they they just kept going hey i'm uh, you know i want to do this i want to do this and um yeah it went from 24 hours that i wasn't sure if i was going to be able to fill to uh at the end uh we had every single open slot filled completely like there was not a single open spot in any of the tables um and we went for 48 hours straight with a bunch of different groups like no one was awake the entire time um that's what i was about to ask because i would not make that yeah, I was I was up for most of the time. I, I think I slept about four four or five hours that entire weekend because I was doing all the behind the scenes stuff no for way. it. But, um, and you yeah. probably slept like a wizard with your eyes open, so you could still uh, watch. for the most part. I felt I felt a little <laughs> bit bad because I actually ran two different uh, tables in it because um, uh, I could. Uh, you know, I was organizing it, so I got to make uh, make the choices, and. Um, one of them was one of my parody games that I do uh, on a regular basis, and the other one was uh, a D&D Adventures League thing. And right after I finished my second set, I transferred it over to the next person, and I went, hey, um, I haven't slept in like 36 hours. I'm going to really quick crash. If there's anything, um, uh, just tweet me because I have alerts on my phone, and it'll wake me up um, if there's any you know difficulties. And we were at like... I don't know, like a thousand bucks or something like that at that point, or like fifteen hundred, eighteen hundred. Our goal was two thousand wow. at that point. We'd already smashed one of our goals, and so I, I fell asleep. I woke up like four hours later, and I go in. I'm like, oh, this is kind of cool, and I kind of type in and and tell everyone, oh, by the way, I'm back. If anyone needs me, and uh, <laughs> the guy running it just types in the chat, dude, we got a thousand dollar donation. I'm like, I'm sorry, what? <gasps> And so, yeah, while I was asleep, we got a $1,337 donation. Oh, an elite. It was so that cool. That is amazing. And, it's it's uh, one of those uh, things, though. It's always when you're asleep or the exciting stuff mm-hmm. happens. Uh, I was awake. Um, <laughs> Laura, <laughs> I'm not even going to touch that. Um, I was awake when uh, Laura Bailey uh, donated to the campaign. Um, 
because I'm sitting there, I'm refreshing all the donations and I'm sending out tweets and stuff like that. And we get one in and I'm like, you have another donation. I'm like, oh, cool. And it's for like 50 bucks or something. And it goes, uh, uh, I'm so proud of you guys. You're doing so many amazing things. Vex. Mm. And I'm like, oh, my. <laughs> and I go over to the guy and I, I type into chat real quick. I'm like, dude. Vexalia just donated. <laughs> and we all freaked out on stream. It was really cool. So, yeah, we uh, we ended up raising $3,601, which we were super proud of. Um, we're, uh, we'll be doing it again. I'll be organizing again because I'm a glutton for punishment. And, uh, <laughs> yeah, we may, we uh, to be perfectly honest with how many people were interested in it last year, we may do more than 48 hours. We may do 72. We may, I don't know. It all depends on how many people want to punish themselves by playing D&D &D for very long periods of time. So. Oh, hey. Just don't want end up with it's those the best way to spend 48 Starcraft hours. for so long. <laughs> that's scary. <laughs> no, that is just fantastic. And for such a good cause as well. So mm -hmm. you're providing entertainment and you're also helping people. So, you know, how can you go wrong? So do, do you have a planned date for your future tournament? 48 hour uh, tournament? It will be close to the uh, official Extra Light. Uh, date which is normally like end of october uh beginning of november um so you have time to train up for it oh yeah oh yeah um i probably won't even been looking for for dms to run things uh for like three or four months at least i uh i've got a convention that i uh i organize all their organized uh play rpg type stuff that happens at the end of may and that is everything i'm focusing on right now so yeah that is excellent. So tell us a little bit about you. What What's going on uh, in your career life? <laughs> All right. Um, currently unemployed because having no money rocks. Um, no. That's so Doesn't great. It, though? It, it, it is. It is the, it it is is the greatest amazing. life. Uh, it's one of the reasons I DM. It's the only way I can go make it out to conventions. Um, no, I, uh, um, uh, I went to college right after high school. Um, majoring in theater and minoring in music because I didn't want to make money with either of my degrees. And um, <laughs> uh, I decided to drop out to pursue a career in film acting, which has been hugely successful. You guys have probably, all of you have seen my movie I've been in. Um, I am the biggest yeah, fan. Yeah, totally. Um, and uh, uh, I had to pick up a job to, to pay the bills because acting was not. I made a grand total of $90 when I was a professional actor. Um, That's not too it's, bad. Hey, I was a professional actor. They paid me. That's all I cared about. Uh, yeah. So, yeah, <laughs> I, uh, I got it. I first started by delivering pizzas, which was fun. Um, and, uh, and then I found out that I had a, a talent for sales. Um, which uh, eventually uh, transitioned into me uh, getting into retail management uh, and training, uh, which is what I did. And um, yeah, after about four or five years of that, uh, I kept trying to apply for higher positions and kept getting told, well, you really need a degree. I'm like, I've turned around three, you know, multi-million dollar stores that have made you guys crap tons of profit. And I need a piece of paper with fancy writing. Yes, yes, you do. All right. Mm. So yeah, now I'm uh, I'm I'm currently going into my fifth term in Monday on uh, in May blah, 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 uh, for a degree in marketing management because I like marketing. I I found that I enjoy marketing. Um, 
Well, hey, maybe you can market me. Yeah, it's possible. I'm <laughs> going to need, you know, stuff to fill my resume with because no one will hire someone without experience, which doesn't make any sense, but sure. It's a catch-22, yeah. isn't it? Well, you need experience. Well, yeah, so. It's part of why a lot of people are going independent yeah. with a lot of oh, job yeah. placement now. Like, either they're putting out their own content on YouTube or people like me when it comes to like mm-hmm. graphic design, like I'm now going independent with, with that doing freelance and I'm, I'm still in the process of setting that up. I've got my logo all done, but uh, yeah, it, uh, be- you, you get really sick and tired of people telling you, you can't do this. And you're like, well, I can, I know I can do it. And now I'm going to show you. Yeah. It's um, the job market. And I can only speak of the job market in the U S because I've never been anywhere else. Um, but the job market here, due to like the huge push we had back in like the late 80s, early 90s of go out, get a degree. Um, uh, now it has mm. this overwhelming weight added to people that have degrees. And our higher education system in general is kind of broken. Like one of my, well, not favorite, but one of the things that I found most hilarious was I was an entry level manager and I saw on a fairly regular basis, they would hire someone right out of business school with a bachelor's in, in business management or something. They would give them like an AS or assistant store manager or a store manager position because they had a degree and they would tank the store because everything they learned in college was theoretical. They Nothing you learn has practical applications, uh, which is what I'm finding mm-hmm. out now. Uh, and it annoys my teachers every so often, but... So, uh, yeah, I, I think it's the w- way to go. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I can't work for people very well. That's why I went out and now I work for myself. <laughs> Not that I'm difficult or a diva. I think it's just easier because you can do things your mm-hmm. way. You can do it by your schedule. So well, you don't have to worry yeah, about it's just, it's you different. Know, morons doing stupid things and then having to clean up their mess, which was my specialty. <laughs> I love it. Um, so tell us a little bit. Um, Uh, We know that you like acting Mm -hmm. and I'm very excited that you also know a little bit about music. So what kind of instruments do you play? Do you sing? Tell me a little bit about Um, that. uh, Vocally, uh, I uh, (laughs) technically my voice type is baritone tenor or uh, baritone bass Um, due to the fact that I did a lot of musical theater in high school and college and afterwards. um, I learned to kind of spread my range up to like a low tenor. Um, and I took private voice lessons in high school and college. Uh, and eventually, uh, I actually got hired on to be the male, uh, vocalist for a professional jazz band, uh, in Wisconsin where I live. Uh, so I got to do, you know, I got to do jazz singing and and stuff. I, I love jazz. I, I grew up with jazz. I love jazz. Yeah. So, um, yeah. And then, um, so do you think we can get Blair to sing again today? (laughs) No. <laughs> Come on, Blair. It's so much Come on, fun. We can give you a ja- jazz lesson. is my jam, too. So, I mean, at least you were close. But I, that was a one-time deal, especially with Jody. Jody sings in my sea. range, and he's much better at it than I am. Yeah. So um, <laughs> we'll, we'll see what we can do. We'll send you over a bottle of wine, get you a little bit drunk. <laughs> free, oh, yeah. That's exactly what we need to get to Blair. Um, so, yeah, as far as uh, instruments, I've actually been playing instruments longer than I've been singing. Um, I started, what was it, fifth grade on the alto sax. 
And uh, eventually, uh, uh, my main instrument is a tenor sax, which I have all of my instruments in a corner. I never play them anymore because I don't have anywhere to play them. I'm so jealous. I'm so jealous. They're like the dancers. You put them in the corner. I just, that's where they fit. I, I, uh, for one of my uh, classes, I had to do, um, I was an earth science course or something like that, physical science, and I had to design an experiment. So what I did is I took my tenor saxophone out, (laughs) got it working again because it hasn't been played in two years. And um, uh, I basically just shoved the mouthpiece on as far as I could and then measured um, uh, the pitch of the instrument and just kept moving it out uh, by an inch or half an inch every time I played it. And so I did an experiment, you know, uh, trying to show... uh, the um connection between length of the instrument and pitch of the note um so yeah that's the last time i played it i feel really really bad but yeah i played um alto tenor i played barry sax in college um which was fun um so much power in that big old machine uh and then i jody and sorry tj um i i also same same instrument so Mm. Um, the big difference is he owns them and I haven't touched I don't, them. I don't have a Barry, unfortunately, because those are super expensive. But I also learned. I, pl- I got to play I got to play Barry a little bit when I was uh, in high school. And it, it, you got to have some wind oh, yeah. to play the baritone saxophone, man. I mean, the alto is pretty simple. The tenor was probably, you know, as much as I should have pushed. But for that Barry, it was like. Whoa. You just like you breathe from your toes. It's so awesome. Um, but yeah, I also learned how to double clarinet and uh, I played bass clarinet once because the fingerings are the same. Um, oh, I didn't know that. Uh, yeah, um, actually with the woodwind instruments, it's actually really simple to double sax and clarinet because the only difference is uh, saxophone is set up in octaves. So you have this key on the back, you push with your left thumb and it mm. shoots the note up an octave. Register. Uh, clarinet has a, a register key and it actually is set up in uh, 10 note intervals. So if you push the register key, you have different fingerings for all the top, uh, anything with the register key. But everything below that, uh, the fingerings are the same as the saxophone. Or no, everything above its fingerings are the same. Everything below is different fingerings. But anyway. TJ, you, you probably know the answer to this, but why is the flute considered a woodwind? Uh, because... Uh, 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 it's made, uh, the vibration is made by wind being blown over, uh, something that technically vibrates versus brass instruments. Uh, the way that you make the vibration that makes the sound is you buzz your lips. So you go, <laughs> which I think just totally destroyed Excuse the mic. Excuse you. What the, oh my God. But, um, that was the most amazingly beautiful note I have ever heard. In it sounds a lot life. better when, when you have a brass mouthpiece on it. But I, I got to experiment with brass. Uh, the only thing I could ever get a noise out of was I played French horn. And that's fun, but a, an absolute horror to tune. And uh, uh, piccolo trumpet, uh, because it was small. Yeah. I just, you are I'm so, so I'm so jealous of people who can play instruments because I would love to be able to to actually learn to play one, but I have about the same motivation to actually pick up one and want to learn as I do like oh I want to learn this foreign language and this foreign language. I was well, my motivation's just not there. I was really really lucky. If you do do it, uh, yeah. If if you do do it, choose a choose a cheap one. Yes. I mean, 
TJ <laughs> yeah. can 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 confirm this. Owning a saxophone is not cheap. Yeah, I have um, <laughs> my saxophone. It's a Cannonball unlacquered uh, intermediate horn, um, mm. and I think it ran us thirty five hundred, which is still oh. relatively cheap. Like if you if you really want to oh. make yourself cry, learn the bassoon, because an actual wooden oh, no. bassoon runs around eighty grand. Nope. Nope, nope. No way. This podcast is starting to feel very <laughs> expensive to me right now. Interest. That's why. Um. That's why band programs are so. Uh. Are are being closed all across the country. It's not so much. Uh. Well, part of it is that people uh, misunderstand how important they are. Um. But the other facts, like they're super expensive and they don't make money because any money that they make from concerts and stuff like that goes back into the program as instrument repair, buying new music. Uh, buying mm. new instruments because they eventually die, uh, especially the really expensive ones. So, yeah. So the lesson is buy a thirty dollar recorder and uh, just play Mary Had Definitely. a Little Lamb. Definitely. No, no. <laughs> I'm sorry, Tierlin. I will no. If you really want? Uh, you can go the hipster douche path and just get an acoustic guitar that you carry with you everywhere. You don't have to know any chords or anything like that. You just take it out sometimes and then talk like you know things. No yes. thing, no that's everything. <laughs> that's, 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 they know, know all the things. Have you, seen, have you seen that Axis of Awesome clip yes. uh, called Four, Four Chords, chords, chords yeah. where pretty much every number one hit, yeah. It's um that is epic, but I still can't get those four chords. The down. fun thing about them is uh, it's actually um, Pachelbel's. Uh, Canon in D uh, is uh, probably where most people know those four chords best from, simply because it's played at every wedding ever. Um, yeah. Yep. And uh, a lot of graduations as well. So, yeah, it's um, those four chords have been around since like the Baroque period of classical music and. They're just people like them in, in Western music in general. That chord structure is um, very, very popular. Yeah, it's funny what we uh, get used to and what we like. So now I was having a little look. <laughs> it's beautiful. We're all singing a little canon. Um, I, I just saw that you are also not only very talented in acting and singing and playing every musical instrument in the world, but you also do martial arts. I do. Arts. Uh, well... I study them. It's been I'm a little bit out of practice right now uh, due to just not having a gym that I can go to. But uh, yeah, I um, when I was very young, I uh, had a, a, a very large problem with my temper. Um, the first house that we lived in in Wisconsin has like three or four holes in the walls due to me getting upset. Um, and so uh, I this sounds like an origin story of yeah, a totally, totally. Except that there's not a whole <laughs> lot that's super about me. But um, what uh, what ended up happening is I started taking Taekwondo at our local rec center, um, and quite literally changed my life. Uh, I, I learned self confidence. I learned uh, self control, discipline. Uh, I was in significantly better shape than I then than I am now. Um, and uh, yeah, after about two years, uh, we couldn't really afford to keep sending me. And so I, I got a bunch of books and, and the internet, which is lovely, um, depending on which parts you're on. And uh, uh, I kept learning on my own. I, I picked up a couple other styles to kind of round out 
uh, my uh, my abilities because Taekwondo, like traditional Korean Taekwondo, is primarily a kicking based martial art because your legs are uh, very very strong and you mm -hmm. can get a lot of power behind them. Uh, so I picked up um, a little bit of savat, uh, which is French kickboxing, um, to uh, add in a, a little bit of uh, more hand techniques and and you know jabs and hooks and stuff like that. Um, and then um, grappling because MMA is a big big deal. Um, I hate like the super body to body contact stuff like judo and Brazilian jiu jitsu and stuff like that, where you're like groping another person, uh, you know, for five minutes at a time until one of you goes, I'm done. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> sorry. I think, I think you might be getting a call from Jeff on that. Uh, <laughs> I love you, Jeff. But yes, it's socialized male groping. Um, but no, uh, I I, uh, I picked up Aikido, uh, which is uh, it's a it's a grappling martial art uh, from Japan, um, but it focuses on joint locks uh, and uh, small joint manipulation as opposed to leveraging like the whole of your body, um, and so it just it was a better fit for me personally. Um, so yeah, I, I attempt to keep up on my studies. I have I have weapons forms that I do like I have a, a staff that I train with, and uh, I used to do katana. Uh, work. I've got a, a pair of Kabuto Sai uh, that I I suck at using, but I can flip them around and make it look like I know what I'm doing. Um, so yeah, like martial arts is such a huge part uh, of my life. I actually use it in my training. Like I have an I have an entire um, training course that I've specifically designed to teach people how to train people. That the entirety of the course is I teach people how to throw uh, a front snap kick and at the end of the course uh, I get really cheap like kid level breaking boards and in order to pass the course you have to break the board um, and then you get to keep the uh, you get to keep the board as kind of a memento of you made it through the training course so yeah martial arts is a big deal I love it yeah that's excellent I actually regret not doing as much when I was younger because my family own a karate club. So I was oh. brought up going to tournaments Very and cool. watching my whole family bash the crap out of each other. <laughs> so I was quite sensitive. I wanted to go be a ballerina instead. But now I look back and I go, it's such a great life skill to have. So, um, you know, until they make the matrix where they can plug in all the information into my brain so I can well, say I know Kung Fu. To be, I just have to to be watch. blunt though, like if you were a ballerina, like, that's hardcore fitness like yeah a lot of you strength. already have like the makeup in there you just have to learn the <laughs> you know the spins and pirouettes you turn into spinning kicks that's really the only difference <laughs> yeah well they say i kick like a horse I've, i'm really i've got really strong legs but oh my god if i try to punch someone it's probably like flicking someone <laughs> on the nose i cannot punch i'm hey, really that hurts bad. yeah you know i mean you <laughs> Yeah, man, don't mess with me. Yeah. <laughs> you need her in a back mouth. Your nose um, will never be the same. <laughs> yeah, you'll have a little red mark there for a whole hour. Yeah, you watch me. Uh, so tell us a little bit about YouTube and all your Twitch stuff. Uh, a bit of sure. self-promotion. Um, I've got a, a personal channel, youtube.com slash trainer Jody, where... Uh, I, to be blunt, I use it as a, a performance outlet. Uh, I, I will always be an actor and I need to perform. It's uh, clinical instability. And um, 
so I do a little bit of everything. I used uh, uh, I used to do like little skits and stuff like that. I haven't had time to do that as much. Uh, I have a, a series called Random Vlogging where I just talk into the camera uh, for anywhere from like five minutes to uh, uh, half an hour. I had one where it was two hours of me reading a bill uh, simply because I got sick of everyone talking about this particular bill that everyone had opinions on. No one had actually read and had no idea what the bill said. So I said, okay, class, I'm going to sit here and I'm going to read every line of this really boring bill. And then we're going to talk about it. So anyone that makes it to the end, you can pride yourself in knowing that you know exactly what's in the bill and no one else does. Um, so yeah, uh, I do stuff like that. And, um, and then uh, I have D&D stuff that I do now because it's a really, really big, big, big deal with Critical Role and, and uh, with 5th Edition D&D being like a super, super bestseller um, on Tuesdays. Uh, I actually have two different campaigns that I run on my Twitch channel. Uh, one that... With one of our previous guests. Yes. Uh, which, actually, I don't think any of you... Well, wait a minute. Who, who are you talking about? Is it Ilya? Is she in one of She's your She's not one of my uh, regular campaigns. She uh, she plays oh, in my my, apologies. Um, my parody uh, games, which I will. My apologies. That's fine. My apologies. Um, but yeah, uh, one of them's a custom campaign that I'm I'm writing myself, and you know, which is a lot of fun because I can just throw random crap at them and scare them constantly, which is super super fun. I threw a beholder zombie at them a couple weeks ago. It was great. Oh my god, somebody talked about that for the first time the other day, and I'm like, no! It was so good. Those suckers are scary. All of, uh, the, the entire party as I'm describing it are like, nope, 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 where's the exit? And they were in a room that had no exits. So you're like, this is bad. This is very bad. They disintegrate things. So, um. Is this, this when is you, when got, you felt guilty? I'm like, retcon! I did not feel guilty retcon! at all. I was super happy. Um, then they killed it in a turn and a half. Oh, geez. well, it's it's a zombie. It's not like a full blown beholder. Uh, and yeah, they were just it was a good they played well. And so I kept I keep threatening to bring it back, though, just to, to keep them on their toes. Um, and then the other campaign that I run is actually uh, Tyranny of Dragons, which was the first uh, hardcover campaign that Wizards of the Coast released with fifth edition. Um, so, yeah, I do that. And then as, as Blair mentioned before. Uh, every so often I will run parody campaign, uh, parody games where, um, I get a bunch of people like, uh, uh, Ilea, um, uh, uh, Elias, Don Diego, um, Gil Ramirez, uh, was in one of them. Um, blacksmith, yes. real life blacksmith, that guy. Love him. He's such a cool guy. Um, I gotta get him here on here. Yeah. I give them, uh. D D character like they build D D characters and then I put them through crazy situations. Like uh one year uh they had to stop a war between two factions that were arguing whether uh, a specific piece of armor was black and blue or white and gold. Um <laughs> Oh, you did not use the jet. Oh, it was great. <laughs> um uh the uh What color was it? Was it blue or was it gold? Uh it was neither. Uh it actually had um uh, a spell, a curse cast on it so that anyone that saw it uh, would uh, instantly uh, become uh, very passionate about what they perceived it to be um, and would fight anyone that uh, uh, perceived it differently. Okay, I got to do a timeout here. Everybody's seen this picture, right? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Everybody fess up. What, what color it's was it to blue. you? I saw both. 
Both. Okay, because I'm a graphic designer, oh, I took I the answer. image <laughs> I know and inverted it to show that because of the poor lighting that it was taken in, yeah. it could have actually either been one of them. And then somebody posted what the where the dress you could buy online was. And I'm like, yep, but if you still invert the the actual image colors, it comes out to the opposite, which was white and gold instead of blue and black. See, this is the thing, and, and I saw blue and black as well, but a friend of mine did a very similar thing. Is he, took, he opened up Adobe Photoshop, he'd use the eyedropper tool, and he'd click the color, and it was yellow and black. Like, it, it was... Or, yellow, or white and yellow, mm. sorry. So he used technology to prove that he saw the colors true as opposed to what my eyes were telling me, which was it was blue and black. Sorry to derail this with <laughs> something that drove everyone that was crazy so, for a week. That was but... so funny. The reason I put it into the parody game was because of how just completely bizarre it was that people took it so seriously. Well, I mean, your eyes are telling you one thing, and then you're... I mean, my wife s- said she saw the opposite mm-hmm. color and always did. And we would be like, are you kidding me? I mean, well, uh, is it this, this, this philosophy that does it? Like, like technically, um, none of us know that what we consider, like, red is what anyone else considers red. Like, none of us know. Well, after that... There's, there's no way to know Clearly. It's the amount of light that gets into your eye. I think that's what it ended up coming down to. Everybody's mm-hmm. different. So. so, yeah, like I, I found it hilarious. And that's why I put it in um, the year or not the year, the session after the dress one. Uh, I turned all the players into Power Rangers. Uh, the most recent one I did, they did like an Ocean's Eleven heist. Um, like it's a, it's 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 just it's silly stuff. I put them in crazy situations, and then they're 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 crazy enough that they um, <laughs> that they just go with it. Um, it was absolutely hilarious uh, to have Elias as the Pink Ranger, um, and uh, <laughs> in order for them to you know trends uh uh i can't remember the magic like i use the D magic terms instead of like morphers in that but in order for them to morph <laughs> they had to call out their D creature like everyone had their own D creature and his was a wyvern and so everyone else is like okay. owl bear bullets now dog i know we got a lot of we got a lot of talented people to listen to this this podcast please somebody jp i'm calling on you specifically photoshop <laughs> Elias Thompson as the Pink Ranger. I, I want to see this as a thing. Hashtag Elias Pink Ranger. I want to see this. I want this hashtag going crazy. He created bland beverage. You know what? It's time. It's time to get my revenge. Elias is hashtag never going to speak to me pink again. Elias Pink Ranger. So yeah, I um, uh, oh yeah, he he couldn't remember Wyvern, so he's sitting there. Uh, whatever my animal is, I'm like Wyvern, Wyvern. Uh. It's like Wyvern, and yeah, they fought the Green Ranger and 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 killed Rita, and it was it was hilarious. Um, so yeah, I'm actually um, <laughs> I'll be doing another one for International Tabletop Day uh, with even more Very cool. crazy weird stuff going on. And that is That's at the excellent. end of the month. Uh, I can't remember when that is. Yeah. Yeah. Just as a side note, because um, I'm gonna. J- go out on a limb here and assume that you know a lot about Power Rangers. Oh, much more than In the history... Okay. Well, this no, this is a good thing because maybe you'll know and I don't have to go do the research mm-hmm. myself because sometimes I don't have the patience mm-hmm. to do it. 
Has there ever been a male Power Ranger that was actually the Pink Ranger, or has Pink always, 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 always been for girls? Good question. Um, I believe, I may be wrong about this, I believe as far as Power Rangers, the American version, not Super Sentai, um, uh, I believe Pink has always been uh, a female. Uh, See, and that's just sad. In Japan, I don't Although, think that's true, to be honest. Um, I might be, again, I might be wrong because I'm not as familiar. For those of you who don't know, uh, Power Rangers is actually, uh, they use footage uh, from a Japanese television show called Super Sentai, which has been going on for like seven or eight years longer than Power Rangers has. Uh, yep. And this, to be perfectly honest, a lot of storylines are actually more mature. Things like in yes. Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, the Green Ranger... Uh, was always like busy and that's why he always came to battle late like he he would take off his his communicator or something and he'd always come to battle late in the actual super sentai the reason he was always coming to battle late was because he was dying yes he died i actually have the entire series on dvd it is my one of my most prized possessions yeah and the yellow ranger who was uh uh played by toy trang uh, in the states here for Mighty Morphin Power Rangers, and was a girl, uh, was a dude, which is why the Pink Ranger outfit has a skirt and the Yellow Ranger does not. Even though in Mighty Morphin they were both uh, female Rangers, so little crazy facts. So that's very similar to. Go for it. Yeah, it's very similar to Sailor Moon. <laughs> they always had uh, mature subjects in the Japanese version, so they talk a lot about you know, gay people together, which is fine, and transgender and everything like that. But once they dubbed it into the American version, they made sure that they were boyfriend and girlfriend. It wasn't two men together. Mm-hmm. And it's just really Ooh. funny that, Jap- that Japan was always a lot more open about that stuff, you know, 30 years ago. Good for so, them. Um, I didn't know that. Well, yeah, I mean, part exactly. of that is, uh, like, the maturity, like, death and stuff like that, it's just a larger part of the culture. Um, the stuff with mm. the anime... Uh, is the fact that anime is not for children over there. Like, there are children's animes and stuff like that, but the target market for anime is not solely for young children, where in the American market until very, very recently, uh, within the past, like, five to ten years, barely, um, cartoons in general have only been targeted at children. Um, And so because of that... Anytime they would talk about things, uh, more mature subject matter, uh, they would censor it uh, uh, simply because they're like, well, these are children. They can't understand that, um, mm. which isn't actually true. Uh, but again, that's that's marketing in this country. Um, I've, I've had lovely conversations with people who are like, well, why do they call this movie a thriller? It's so it's an action flick. It's like, well, no, the reason they call it that is because that's the market they're targeting. It has nothing to do with what the movie is actually about things like this is an action flick or this is a thriller or this is a uh, romantic comedy is everything about what market they're targeting has nothing to do with the movie itself. It's like golden globe winner, the Martian for comedy. Well, if if anyone, that was, uh, that was 100%. (laughs) It was funny. uh, Manipulating things because they wanted, they wanted the Martian to be able to actually be a contender for an Oscar and with the other stuff in the dramatic category, there was no way. Like, there were too many other good things. So they manipulated You know what, though? Like the, our, the Academy is corrupt. The, the, the Martian was the best movie I saw in probably the last few years. 
And, you know, it's funny, but it's definitely not a comedy. And I was happy to see it get an mm-hmm. award based on a loophole that it will probably not exist next year. So, um, I mean, no disrespect to, I can't remember who actually won this year. It's I'm slipping my mind from the uh, Oscars. But uh, The Martian was, like, I loved it. It was a great movie. Yeah. Actually, um, uh, just to jump back really quick to the whole uh, Power Rangers discussion, mm-hmm. uh, because <laughs> gotta get the Power Rangers. Hang on, this, this is me with Pokemon, while. by the way, Tierlin. Welcome to my personal hell. <laughs> yes. Anyways, so uh, the way I found this was through a different window uh, of research. But um, number one, I don't like the new Rita Repulsa outfit. I do suspect, and it's a very <laughs> obvious suspicion, why it's green and reptilian, because it's supposed to be a connection to the Green yeah. Ranger, anyways. But moving on from that, um, I learned, and Tierlin, you may or may not know this, but when Mighty Morphin Power Rangers came out, because at the time, it was deemed too violent, New Zealand and much of the marketing distribution oh. in Australia actually had a ban on oh, yeah. the show altogether until 2011 <gasps> because that is where the American version of the show for Nickelodeon is shot is now in New oh, Zealand. Yeah. It's it's all New Zealand, which is lovely, but uh yeah, you can you can tell when it got purchased by um uh Disney um they stopped shooting uh in LA. Uh, in the the surrounding area in California in general, because it's super expensive to shoot there. Um, yes, and they moved uh, production uh, completely over to um, uh, New Zealand because uh, they love things being shot there, and so they have uh, really great rates and and uh, a lot of incentives for people to shoot movies over there. And so it is actually it's actually easier for them to cast LA based actors, fly them over there for a few months for their shoot, and then fly them back than it is for them to actually shoot in California. See, just back to the censorship thing, Australia is the worst for it because you know South Park's stick of truth? We uh, apparently are so sensitive that they (laughs) they had to block a lot of the Mm -hmm. scenes. So the part where the aliens are probing them, we couldn't actually play that part. It would just describe it to us Mm -hmm. and say, in this scene, blah, blah, blah happens, and there's a little picture of a koala (laughs) saying, sorry, and you just go, oh my God, like, just deal with it. It's a game. Why do we have to censor everything? It's really frustrating for gamers. Well, that combined with the fact that uh, my very basic understanding of the Australian economy, you guys pay a crap ton for your games. Like, games in general yeah, are super expensive. Yeah, about $90. Cost. Yeah. yeah. Isn't that normal? No, like... $90? The average cost of a brand new game here is 60 bucks. Yeah, Canada's fairly similar. Okay. Yeah, you guys. And that would be about nearly about 120 for us. Oh no, that would be about the same though. Except those bungee games. Those bungee rate. games are like 120 dollars. Yeah, because <laughs> they come from Australia. <laughs> <laughs> I think the exchange rate, the way it works from uh, USD to AUD, is an additional 50 to 54 cents or so, roughly mm-hmm. per every dollar. So. Uh. Mm. You take fifty four cents times that by sixty and add that on top of whatever we paid. That's what you're paying for yours. So my my dollar goes further in Australia. I, I gotta go to Australia, man. That's the way this works. I'm uh, yeah. That's why about... I love shopping in New Zealand. It's cheaper for us technically, but if we buy things in America, it's you know we're poor. Mm. Just because of the exchange. Well, anyone that yeah. buys things Remember. in America is poor. Like everything is just crazy over here. <laughs> I love 
love my country. I, I think even <laughs> I think England's worse. I think because every time I buy something from England, I go, "Oh, cool, it's fifty dollars. How cheap is that?" And then it comes up as a hundred dollars on my yeah. statement. <laughs> the pound. Well, it's the pound. Like the the British pound, yeah. I believe, is the strongest it's over two form again. of currency in our international market right now. It is totally. Yeah, and most cons- consistent, I think, as well. Yeah. You know, say what you want about yeah. the English. Like, they, they know how to, for the most part, keep their money working. It's like, oh, you want to oh, join yeah. the European Union? No, thanks. We like our pound. <laughs> <laughs> now, on a little bit more of a serious mm-hmm. note, uh, you do talk a lot about mental health on your channel, which I think is just so fantastic mm-hmm. because you need to have a healthy mind to have a healthy body. So could you tell us a little bit more about that? Yeah, um, I personally uh, uh, struggle with uh, anxiety and depression. Um, and um, I'm currently going uh, to therapy uh, for uh, something technically I thought was unrelated. Uh, there is a... <laughs> portion of my childhood that I can't remember because it was very, very traumatic. And uh, my brain decided, you know, you don't need to deal with this and has blocked it off completely. Um, and uh, now that I'm, uh, I'm in therapy trying to deal with that, I'm finding out that uh, there's a very good chance that I have uh, PTSD um, and uh-huh. may uh, have issues with what's called disassociation, which is basically where your brain kind of portions off certain parts of it um most people um uh if you've ever heard the term uh multiple personalities that's an archaic term that's that's no longer used because it's it's very very wrong uh but the current Mm. uh description of someone that that uh shows unique personalities is what's called disassociative identity disorder or DID, uh, and it's a very rare, rare, rare thing in the uh, field of psychology in general. Um, but that's uh, disassociation is when they're um, uh, in those other personalities, they are disassociating. Um, and it uh, affects people differently. Like what we think my personal disassociation is, is uh, I call it losing time where I'll be doing something and I'll look at a clock and it'll be like seven o'clock and then I'll do something for about five minutes and I will look at the clock and it'll be like two hours later um, because my brain has kind of portioned off whatever happened in that two hours normally due to stress or or um, high anxiety uh, situations for prolonged periods um, and it's it's an absolutely terrible or terrifying thing to experience because I have no mm. idea a- apart from like filming myself 24 hours a day I have no idea what I do when I'm disassociating I, I, I might just be a zombie and, and not be doing anything. Um, I might have uh, uh, an alternate uh, personality. Um, it could be a million different things. I have amnesia of that particular time. Uh, for me, that that time doesn't exist. Um, and um, so, yeah, really, really weird. But um, at least in the States, and I'm, I'm relatively certain worldwide, um, mental health has this uh stigma attached to it um that people don't like to talk about it um people uh don't want to admit that they have issues like i personally know especially for management positions if i mention that i have uh depression or anxiety even though uh those are actually unbelievably common for people in management positions to have if i mention that during an interview uh, there's a chance that I won't get the job, 
which according to our non-discrimination laws is illegal and it still happens. Um, So I I try and talk as frankly about it uh, and uh, truthfully about it as possible um, to hopefully get people past this point of, well, we can't, we can't talk about depression. I mean, you know, or we can't, we can't talk about suicide. Like that's, you know, we, we can't do that. Or we can't talk about anxiety or a million other things that uh, affect literally hundreds of millions of people around the world um, and uh, are as debilitating um, as any other uh, physical d- disease. I mean, the 10th leading cause of death in the U.S. is suicide. Uh, and a very, very large portion of those suicides uh, are linked to depression. Like, I mean, this is a massive, massive deal, and we aren't willing to talk about it because we don't want, um, we, we, we don't want to have to think about that aspect. Like diseases and stuff like that, you know, biological stuff, that's, it's easy to understand, uh, and, and it's easy to, to kind of interpret. Oh, you have a disease, you get sick, you either get better or you die. You know, very, very simple. Mental health doesn't work that way. It's so much more complicated uh, and requires so much uh, more work to actually get through it that we don't, we don't want to talk about it. And it's literally killing our country and killing the world that we don't want to talk about it. Thank you, Jody, yeah, for talking. I, definitely. I think that's so wonderful that you're opening up a whole new avenue for people to discuss it because it's not a taboo subject. It's something that a lot of people suffer with and hats off for you. So thank you so much for sharing it with everyone. Absolutely. Yeah. Well, look, I think we're up to our rapid fire round. So Joey, do you have those questions? I do have those questions. Oh, that was good. (laughs) I'm impressed, like my long-lost brother. Wow. <laughs> uh, I know. Although you wouldn't oh, want you me as a brother. Because <laughs> I, I, would, I would have antagonized the living hell out of you. <laughs> and you probably have about ten more novels than you do now. Anyway. Broking Terrilyn. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, okay. All right, TJ, are you ready? I am ready. Okay, we're about to play Legends of the Hidden Temple and a <laughs> phrase that you use that is just so you. A phrase that is just so me. Um, oh, um, um, oh, it's on the tip of my tongue. Okay, we'll go yeah, with that on, one. No, um works, yes. Confusing. Um's good answer. Interestingly good answer. enough is what I say all the time or, or something similar to that. It, it drives my players crazy. All right, your spirit animal. Uh, wolf. Ooh, brother wolf. Yes, I love wolves. I actually have two wolf blankets, wolf necklace, accessories. Anyways, moving on. <laughs> uh, do you have any phobias? Spiders. Uh, yes, spiders and wasps. Uh, yep, same here. I will burn uh, a house I'll even down. Throw in snakes. Yes, exactly. Like I will Al Capone <laughs> the shit out of that spider. <laughs> Are you a morning person or a night person? <laughs> yeah, spiders, what of it? <laughs> well, everything in Australia tries to kill you, so it's not quite as terrifying. We don't have that many things trying to kill us over here. <laughs> and I'm gonna, I'm, when I go to America, I'm going to think I'm in like some amazing paradise because there's nothing there trying to kill me. 
Well, the animals aren't trying to kill you. The people, on the other hand, well. Yeah, the true. government, no. <laughs> Never trust them. Shots fired. Are you a morning or night, night person? One hundred percent. I despise mornings. What is your favorite? Ah, uh, yes. What is your favorite word? Uh, oh, good question. Um, we'll go with um. All right, next question. <laughs> Oh God! Whatever you do, don't don't talk to one of my best friends. Because if you say that word, she will burst into fits it is of the funniest word never, in the English language. Kumquat is hilarious. It sounds like a swear word, doesn't it? Don't you think it, kumquat's what sounds like a swear yeah, word? Yeah, it's that's why it's my favorite word. I think it does. It's amazing. Yeah. It's like right up there with the word queef. But anyways, <laughs> moving on. Uh, oh God! What was the last book you read? Uh, um. Something about codependency. Codependent no more. What is the one trait that you have that best describes you? <laughs> is insanity a trait? Yeah. Okay. That's me. I talk in funny voices. I do that all the time. It pisses off the fiance. <laughs> I used to do it at work, and it drove... Uh, I had to quit it when I got to um, management because... It's really hard to get people to do things when they don't understand what you're saying. Yeah, <laughs> I used to do that too, and then I realized I hadn't, I couldn't do it anymore. <laughs> uh, biggest pet peeve? Oh, um, biggest pet peeve is, is people talking about stuff that they don't know what they're talking about. Drives me nuts. I deal with that every time I open up Facebook. Yappers. Anyway. <laughs> All right, so you've just written a book about your mm -hmm. life. What do you call it? <laughs> um, oops. Yep. Oops. I did it again. I was waiting for just that. Just oops. Like, that describes <laughs> my life so well. The sequel could be called I Did It Again. <laughs> <laughs> Which letter in the alphabet best describes you? That's weird. Um, let's say Q. Okay, why? Uh, because uh, it's a unique letter that uh, a lot of people uh, kind of skip over because it's kind of difficult to deal with. Why is okay? I have, I'm going to put rapid on pause for a minute. Why is Q difficult to deal with? This is new to me. Uh, uh, because in general, you have to pair it with a U. Um, it doesn't show up a whole lot in. Uh, language like is nowhere near as common uh, as most of the other uh, vowels uh, or uh, consonants. I mean, uh, and it actually um, uh, compared to other consonants, it actually has kind of a diphthong built into it, where it's not one sound; it's two. It's qua, um, so uh, it confuses people. You know that never occurred to me until he went off on that. I used to He's study accents, deep, uh, and part of that is studying dialects and uh, language in general. And so, yeah. The oh well, don't get a hold of the, don't get ahead of yourself. We get, we're coming gotcha. up to that one. Don't you worry. <laughs> gotcha. All right, let's see. I got this. All right, I'm not really being all that rapid right at this very minute. Okay, what is the origin of your name? We've never. I've never asked this question I was named, uh, before for anybody i was named after my father's uh father um actually uh uh, uh the exact same i'm i'm actually a part two 
So your father was trainer Jody Sr.? No, my father's <laughs> father was trainer Jody the first, and then I am trainer I'm Jody I'm sorry, I should have been second. a little bit more. <laughs> it's weird. Did you mean my YouTube? Like, so my YouTube name is a combination of my first name and the fact that uh, uh, without thinking now, I generally tend to train people. Um, uh, I had a rant I did a while back where I was talking about something and I came to kind of a difficult subject and without thinking, I just, I went on, I was like, oh, by the way, this is how this works and this is this and this. Oh, I think it was um, uh, how uh, 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 television shows, uh, and I can't remember what it's called now, where somebody makes them and then sells them off um, to a channel to actually run them. I can't remember what that's called anymore, but anyway, I explained what that was and somebody goes, wow, I had no idea. As you're doing this entire rant, I had no idea that's how that worked. I'm like, yes, I'm a trainer. I do it without thinking. So I'm not going to lie before the whole podcast. I was like, wow, for somebody who doesn't like Pokemon Blair, you know, a lot of people that do. <laughs> I do. I really do. <laughs> like that's right where us. my brain we went. I'm like, us. oh, my, he must be a real big Pokemon enthusiast. In my uh, first, uh, <laughs> uh, my, my geek and sundry audition video for the vlogs. I start off by going, hi, my name is Trainer Jody. And no, that doesn't mean that I throw balls at small furry animals. That's the kind of thing that gets you kicked out of the petting zoo. <laughs> and uh, so, yes, I, I understand the connection. It has nothing to do with Pokemon. I do enjoy Pokemon. You waited until but... I took a drink before you said that? <laughs> I almost spit on my computer. Yeah. Yeah, your computer already has enough problems as it is, Blair. It's you true. don't need to be spitting all over it, okay? It's true. Very true. All right, last but certainly not least, how amazingly awesome, totally rad, totally like cool is Toronto Gal? Love Toronto Gal. She is an amazing, lovely person. Um, uh, I have I have a list of people that uh, I plan to meet. She is one of them. Good luck with that. Yeah, no, I I understand <laughs> that. I'm actually, um, what is it, end of May, like beginning of June, I'm actually going to get a chance to meet uh, Terry Latorco, uh, who is the first oh, one cool. of the Geeking and Sundry vloggers uh, I've been able to meet in, uh, I will be able to meet in person. Um, so I'm super excited nice. about that. I uh, I was hoping to make it to LA for the, Critter, uh, the 50th episode of uh, Critical Role. Uh, and I had a list of people I was going to meet. Like, I was going to try and hang out with Omar and Mia and meet Kiri and uh, uh, probably not meet Amy because I'm still really awkward uh, <laughs> and have a massive crush on her. Um, so, yeah. I have a long list of people in, I think I'm up to like a, a dozen countries now that I have to visit to meet everyone I'm supposed to know. Is, is is Terry coming to you? Because Terry's Canadian. Yeah, she uh, 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 she does. Um, what is it? Roller derby. She's apparently. I think she's a ref in roller derby. Uh, yep. And so she's actually going to be in uh, Milwaukee. Uh, and uh, oh, cool. I was I was contacting her about actually trying to uh, get her down um, for the convention that I run to run some Star Trek Attack Wing for us. Uh, and she couldn't do it, but we got to talking. She's like, "Well, I'm going to be there next week, or or, or the week after your convention." Um, what if we get coffee or something? I said, that would be awesome. So Terry's really cool. Yeah. All the geek and sundry vloggers are amazing. Lovely people. They really are. 
Although I have to say, Toronto Gal should probably come out with like a hit single <laughs> or an album or something. Because her, while she's a very big name in our community, her anonymity is also right up there. So if she comes out with like a hit single, she'll be like our own version of like Sia. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I put it out there, girl. You, you now, now it's up to you to do it. I've given you the option. <laughs> oh. Oh, I love it. Okay, so let's have a look at our suggestion section. So I know Joey is dying to do this, so that way he can just take the piss out of me. <laughs> so you said you can pretty much teach us how to do any accent. Is that right? Um, there are certain accents that are easier to do than others. Uh, due to a lot of uh, things uh, I mentioned to you guys before, I can't actually replicate currently. I can't actually replicate an Australian accent because uh, the Australian accent, uh, first of all, is actually very similar to Cockney accent um, because they have a, 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 um, a similar ancestor. Um, and uh, the, uh, uh, the Australian accent uh, doesn't have any pure vowels. Um, every vowel that you guys speak has what's called a diphthong which is where you have two different vowel sounds in uh, the same thing. So like in uh, like a standard uh, Midwestern <laughs> accent, which is what I generally speak, um, the uh, vowel sound for A is actually two different uh, vowel sounds. You have A and E, which turns into A. So A, E. A. A, E. You actually have to move I. your mouth in the A. middle of the vowel in order to get a. through it. She's constructing. I don't say a. <laughs> so every vowel in the Australian accent has a dip. A. You have to change your, uh, uh, you have to move your mouth to finish the vowel. A-E-I-O-U. You're speaking to an Australian Oh, I right? see. <laughs> you're trying What's to really tell me how to speak. That, that anybody listening to this cannot see Tyrion trying to do this. It's really great, because guys. You have no you idea how awesome you're looking this at her, is. It, everything's like at an angle. So like, so anyway, it's kind of like that, that, that when you go to take a selfie and like get out your camera on your phone and it's that selfie thing and it's, you get like whole Ursula face almost kind of going on. She kind of has that, but in a really graceful way. So watching her practice it with her mouth, priceless, absolutely priceless. That's what I get for doing an interview in bed. Mm. Hang on. Let's... Wow. She said it. So. Dang. I said anyway, it. Yes, there, guys, there I am in my bed while I do this. that are a little bit this. easier to pick up than others because they don't have quite as complex movements of your mouth and tongue and uh, things like that. Um, I have, mm -hmm. I don't know, about a dozen different accents that I can just kind of pop into. Um, but I've been doing this for over a decade. Um, so uh, the accent... What are you teaching us, uh, The accent I'm going to teach you is uh, the French accent because it is uh, it's very useful oh, really? for... Uh, Americans in general. First things first, like if you ever go to America, it is unbelievably easy to pass yourself off as someone from another country because Americans in general don't understand that there's a world outside of us. So Look, I had you could just speak normally and say you're yeah, Canadian. It's super and it easy. Works. I had most of the town I lived in right after I dropped out of college, believing I was from Edinburgh, Scotland. Uh, most of them had no idea actually where Scotland was. Or that it and That's Ireland so weren't actually connected at all, like they're separate islands and that. So, um, I, I had an absolute blast doing that. Um, 
But yeah, so uh, French accent, uh, uh, any uh, learning how to imitate someone else's accent um, involves a couple different things. Learning the uh, the actual mouth shapes and stuff is part of it. Uh, the other half is learning the actual dialect that is associated with the accent. We're not going to do uh, dialect and colloquialisms right now because that takes a lot of time to learn. Um, so this is Parisian, just to be clear. Yes, this is not. Because, to be perfectly honest, not, not Quebec. The, um, the <laughs> accent that I'm going to teach you guys is what is called a stereotypical French accent. Um, people in France don't speak like this. Um, or at least most of them don't. And people in, you know, Quebec don't speak like this. It is just, there was like one or two really famous people that sounded like this. And the Americans think that this is what all French people sound like. Um, so don't attempt to blend in in France speaking like this. They will, the French get mad at anything because they're French, but, um, Hey, no, don't start a war. <laughs> Sorry. My, yeah, really my, uh, <laughs> Everyone on my father's mother's side is English, so we don't get along with the French in general. Um, so anyway, for a French accent, um, uh, the thing that will make you sound the most French uh, is learning how to pronounce your R's in the back of your throat. Um, uh, most people, when you, when you are like reading, writing, arithmetic, you do it entirely with the front of your mouth and your tongue uh, pushed up towards the front of your teeth. In, <laughs> Let's do it again. I love it. In French, <laughs> the R is actually pronounced in the uh, uh, back of your throat. Um, so instead of going reading, writing, and arithmetic, it's reading, writing, mm, arithmetic. Um, French oh. in general is done in the back of the throat. Um, so the easiest way to learn that, uh, back of the throat R, shut up, Blair. <laughs> I'm trying not to say anything. You just, you guys could like, he's even like if this, he wasn't saying anything. He's like this giant pink laughing ball of hysterics. Right so now. anyway, uh, uh, it's, uh, a lot of French is spoken at the back of the throat and through the nose. So, uh, the easiest way, uh, to learn kind of the, the, the back R, uh, is kind of uh, uh, if you've ever gone Ugh, that little Ugh, at the Ugh. end where like the uh, the back of your throat, the back of your tongue kind of reaches up and touches your uvula. Yeah. That is mm -hmm. what you use to make that uh, R uh, sound of the back. So it's like hello, uh, reading, reading, writing, und arithmetic. Or uh, in France. Oh, I can't wow. Even... I used to speak French, reading? folks. So did I, and I've never done this before. This is actually really helpful. Yeah. <laughs> I did three years of French. Reading, writing, yep. <laughs> you actually, reading you and, no, that's, that's terrible. Uh, you actually see it a little bit in a couple other uh, languages, like in German every so often you will see um, uh, a similar sound um, actually based off of uh, uh, a sound that we actually don't have in English, uh, which is what they um, uh, do for the ich. Uh, it's, it's done at the very... Uh, Back your throat uh, as well. Again, English in general is very much front of the mouth. Um, and that's why we have such difficulty with things like that. Um, so um, if you can get to the point where you can readily do this back of this throat, ow, that will make you sound French without doing anything else. But the other very typical thing of this stereotypical French accent um, is uh, in French in general, they don't really use hard uh, consonants. Um, everything is very flowing yep. and smooth. So um, 
And no H's. Yeah, drop all your <laughs> H's. H's are gone. Um, uh, so if you replace your S's with Z's, um, because it's a slightly less uh, cacophonous sound, and uh, any of the hard th's turn into soft ones. So hello, this is my French accent. Uh, very rarely will you hear very uh, very hard consonants, except at the end of words. So, okay, Joey, let's give it a try. Let's hear. Let's hear what you got. See, I'm really afraid to do it because I did three years of French and like actually like speaking mm -hmm. French. So <laughs> when I want to go to attempt to do the French accent, I just want to speak. Go ahead, French. start by speaking French. Like I, uh, je parle français assez bien, mais pas très bien parce que rien de mes amis parle français, donc uh, je ne peux pas pratiquer. What that means is uh, I speak French. Somewhat well, uh, but not very well, uh, because uh, none of my friends uh, speak French, so I cannot uh, practice with any of them. I actually knew that. Woohoo! Nine years of French, I got that. <laughs> it's one of the few phrases Touchdown I remember. Touchdown to Canada. So uh, there are a lot of people, in order to get into an accent, they have to have a phrase. So start by speaking French yeah. and transition into English in a French accent. I don't even know where to begin. Hello, my name is Joey. Je Start with that. Bonjour, je m'appelle Joey Couture. I feel really put on the spot right now, and I want to hide under a rock. You go, Terrilyn. All right. <laughs> this uh, is Terrilyn, really great. Would, would I'm sorry. Like well, see, I will try. So even when I speak French, which I don't know much at all, I still sound sadly Australian. That's very So okay. if I go like, um, je m'appelle Terrilyn. Mm -hmm. Je m'appelle Tyrolin. Je m'appelle Tyrolin. Oh, je m'appelle Tyrolin. 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 The point is to make it sound like you're hinting at doing a loogie on the R in your name, but it actually <laughs> don't actually it takes do it. a little bit more breath than you it's would also a use. very sexy, sexy language. Yes, and like, anything in French. So think of your, yeah, think of saying your name in a very sexy way. Okay, look, I've even got a black and white striped shirt on. Come on, I can do this. I'm feeling the French. Okay. Très Parisien. Je no, that's not working. Je it takes practice. This is Tyrolin, and this is the extent of my French accent. I'm just going to roll good. my R. I'm just going to go. Right. Yeah. The other thing that you can add, um, even if you're having difficulty with those like kind of more difficult aspects, if you uh, speak very quickly and put the emphasis at the end of your sentence, that is a very uh, Parisian French style of speech. So even without that using anything German else, to put the emphasis at the end. Well, um, if you listen to what I'm saying now, Lost. I am not using any of the things that I told you, but it still sounds somewhat French because that's the, the speech pattern uh, in uh, 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 Parisian French uh, and, and just French gotcha. French. Yeah, I mean, a lot of French kind of ends on a down note. Be like, c'est bon? So I went down. Whereas I actually find Australians and, and Kiwis in general go up yeah. at the end. It's like we're or always ask, they, asking a question. Mm -hmm. 
even when we're not. Uh, yeah. Who is it? Adam Hills, one of my my favorite comedians. <laughs> uh, and he has he has an entire bit where he he goes on about the Australian accent, um, and it's brilliant. He's a brilliant comedian. I love him to death. He is. He's really cool. Promotion okay. time. <laughs> Promotion time. We're gonna let you off the hook, Joey. Yeah. Okay. Good. <laughs> yeah, we're just waiting for it. maybe next time. It takes maybe next time we can do Irish accents and all well, different ones. And I got to learn my American accent. Yeah, the funny thing I can't actually <laughs> teach because it's it's my uh, or at least the the Midwestern accent that I speak with normally. I have no idea how to teach that. Like this is just my natural voice, so I have I have no idea how to train someone to speak in an American accent beyond like a deep Southern accent or something like that because. Because I don't speak like this, and uh, so uh, okay. Because it's not it's not normal uh, th- for me. I can't I can't gotcha. teach anyone. So so the midwestern See, I, I, accent, as you go north, changes. So we're talking Minnesota, the Fargo kind of accent. At what you know, are you comfortable doing that? Oh, you mean, I mean the Minnesota? That's, that's obviously where. Yeah, yeah the Minnesota. You know, I uh, I've got friends that talk a lot like this, but uh, I'm not a. Uh, one of the things you learn when you start getting into acting, if you ever want to get into hosting uh, or newscasting, is you learn what the neutral accent is for your country. The Ohio yeah. accent, as it's been So, yeah, me. this the, <laughs> the Midwest Ohio accent, this is the neutral accent for the U.S. Uh, if you go to the U.K., uh, specifically England, you have this is the BBC Everyone talks like this on the BBC because this is their neutral accent. It's the Queen's English. Yes. The interesting about it, the neutral accent for the Americans is uh, uh, is is that simply because uh, uh, it's the one that is the easiest for everyone to understand. Um, due yep. to the kind of class, the very classist society that uh, England uh, has, uh, their neutral accent is manufactured. They specifically mm-hmm. target it for that, yeah. which I always find very interesting. So, anyway. So, correct me if I'm wrong. I, I found mm-hmm. it's almost like Americans when you speak. It's kind of like you naturally speak from your diaphragm. Where Australians, it's like we talk through the nose. We're very sort of twangy and nasally, like mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I, I, I don't know if that's right or not, but that's what it sounds like. Uh... To be perfectly honest, the reason that I speak for my diaphragm is years of vocal and instrumental training. Mm, yeah. I didn't use. I to. think I speak from my throat. I think I honestly, I th- most of my sounds come from my throat yeah. as opposed to deep down. Because when we are taught to sing, we're taught to, to use our diaphragm, as you guys mm. both know. But it's a very unnatural thing for me to do that. I it uh, where you breathe from. Uh, in my personal opinion, I think where you breathe from. Uh, is a lot more about biology than it is uh, about uh, society. Um, it's just what you do uh, naturally in your physical makeup. Um, dialects and your speech patterns and things like that are learned behaviors. Um, however, the way that you create noise and things like that uh, translates from how you learn. You basically taught yourself to do it when you were very young and were screaming, you know, screaming your head off to get food or whatever like that, like that influences how you speak. Um, I know a lot of Americans that speak from their diaphragm. I know a lot that speak through their nose. You know, it's it's a lot of different things, so. Cool. 
one of the things cool. maybe and maybe you know this uh, I, I and i have to ask um i'm one of those few people like what okay for example i'll i'll use tierland as my guinea pig in a way <laughs> sort of kind of like my display as evidence when i'm here in uh doing the podcast and tierland's here i and and don't take offense to this because it's really meant to be a compliment maybe in some kind of way it's my own personal problem oh just say it the wrong end right now (laughs) but i have this problem that when somebody actually has an accent i have to if if i'm aware of it i have to fight with every fiber of my being not to mimic it no, I do it too. And it really sucks it's, when yeah. you're working it's very in a restaurant and you have German <laughs> customers come in yeah, and well, you're trying so hard not to, to I, mimic um, them. Because I can absolutely because I can switch accents so uh, so easily. I had to train myself not to imitate other people's accents. My father's the same way. When he gets around his uh, before she passed, uh, when he used to get around his mother, uh, he would revert uh, almost instantly to the um, um, kind of uh, Liverpudlian, Mancunian accent that, that he grew up speaking. Um, yeah, I, 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 I've seen it happen to a lot of different people. Um, one, of the, one of the kind of pitfalls of that, because I, I, a lot of people have talked to me about that and, and have mentioned that, especially with my actor friends where we learn how to imitate accents. Um, if you don't do it correctly, it sounds like you're making fun of whoever it is, and it gets really awkward really exactly. quick. I, I personally, like, um, even if I could do an Australian accent, which I've worked on one, like, I can almost make it sound sometimes almost like something, um, I wouldn't do it with a native speaker around because I'm so worried about offending them. Like, if we had an actual French person on this f- podcast, never would have talked about the French accent. Wouldn't have happened because I'm so afraid of offending them. But I think... I think a lot of it is... It's not offensive. I think a lot of it comes from your, your upbringing. Like, my, my, I'm a first-generation Canadian. My father was born in Glasgow. And, my you know, he didn't have the accent, but his brother did and my grandmother did. And so when I was around them, even I would try to, you know, I would start mimicking their speech. And you don't even realize you're doing it. If you've never had that, like, if you've never been exposed to that, I think you're less susceptible to mm-hmm. doing it, to be frank. Well, and the older you are, um, it, a lot of it is based on muscle memory. You know, um, as a lot of people don't realize, like your vocal cords, like your your tongue and all the stuff that makes your accent uh, are muscles. They develop muscle memory. So the older you are, the less you will slip into other people's accents unless you train your body to do that. Um, in the same way that, uh, you know, as a uh, 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 as a um, uh, uh, a ballet dancer, you have certain ways that your body moves that are just natural now because you've trained your body to do it that way. Um, and when you get put into certain physical situations, you will react accordingly. It's the same thing true about martial arts. I, um, uh, when I was in high school, one of the things that guys like to do is they'd come around and they'd smack you in the nuts because we were a horrible society in general. Um, Bagged yeah. yeah. And um, uh, what ended up happening was they had been doing that to me and I got into kind of a defensive stance and this girl came and tried to give me a hug who I had a massive crush on and I instantly went into like a full block and ready fighting stance <laughs> and she didn't talk to me for like a week and a half so yeah anyway moving on 
Anyway, <laughs> let's promote <laughs> okay, him. Okay, so let's promotion. Promote yes. Okay, uh, yeah, promotion. So tell us where can we find you? Uh, well, uh, I'm, uh, I'm Trainer Jody everywhere. Um, I'm on Twitter as Trainer Jody, uh, YouTube.com slash Trainer Jody, um, uh, Twitch.com slash Trainer Jody. Uh, it makes it easier that way. Um, I, uh, this, uh, uh, the April 30th, uh, depending on when this actually goes out, uh, April 30th, I will be running a, uh, one of my parody games, uh, that actually has quite a few, uh, fellow humans in it. We'll have Elias, uh, Sarah the Rebel, uh, Green Eye Triboid, uh, Trombonist, uh, also known as Ilya, uh, and Don Diego. Uh, and, and I'll be running them through crazy things uh, and trying to make them look as silly as possible. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that's the most recent thing I'm going to be doing. You can catch uh, my weekly streams on, on Twitch, like I said, and uh, I upload them to my YouTube channel. Uh, and I have also created a custom class uh, for 5th uh, Edition Dungeons & Dragons. It's on the DMs Guild, which I believe is just dmsguild.com or something like that. Anyway, um, it's called the Dragon Knight, uh, and uh, you can download it for free, or you can decide to throw a little money my way. Um, as of just before recording this, uh, it had been downloaded uh, 984 times, so oh, it's nice. a silver Whoa. silver bestseller uh, on the uh, on the DMs Guild, and I'm very proud of it. So yeah, I would be very proud of it. Where can people find yeah. you on social media? Uh, Trainer Jody, uh, Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, I, uh, I have a Trainer Jody Facebook page that I never look at, um, because I despise Facebook in general. So yeah, Twitter at Trainer Jody, I'm addicted to you it. You also do some work with the All for Geek Alliance. Oh yeah, Alliance, uh, right? the All for Geek Alliance is, uh, a, um, uh, collab channel, uh, that I created uh with uh help uh, from a couple other people and um yeah so uh we're on i think it's afg alliance uh on twitter at afg alliance and um yeah that's where uh my parody games go up on the offer geek alliance um i have uh, a show called lore explorer where i delve into like the lore of video games and comic books and stuff like that uh that's currently on hiatus because i haven't had time to do anything uh, and training, uh, training day, the thing I did for Geek and Sundry, that also goes on the Offer Geek Alliance, and it's on super long hiatus. But I have the next series planned. I just haven't been able to record it. Kind of like my road for the race. Yeah, I wasn't going <laughs> to say anything, long. but, you know. <laughs> it's been like two years. So, yeah. Anyway. That's me. All right, Joey, where, where can people find you, Joey? Uh, people can find me on Twitter at Joey Couture underscore. I'm also on YouTube uh, for Joey Couture. And I know that I, I just want to throw this out there. I know that I had made a statement about doing more of the abridged uh, series of Felicia's Twitch streams. They are coming. I know it's been kind of a break, but for those of you who follow, you know, shows like Rain and, and Empire, yeah, you can wait. It's coming, I promise. <laughs> You also mentioned earlier about uh, your your graphic art stuff. Oh, that's right. Um, so I'm independently going to be starting uh, freelance graphic design. Um, I've finally just created my own logo, 
and I'm doing a number of things. Um, I've actually just done a number of things with actress, singer, songwriter, producer, uh, Tuesday night, and um, venturing into doing some other stuff uh, through various networks with her as well. And uh, I'm hoping to have the, the website all set up and done within a week. So, yes, very, very, been very busy. <laughs> How about yourself, Tierlin? Where can people find you on all the things? Uh, Twitter, Tiz Thunder, T-I-Z, Thunder. Tierlin.author on Instagram, Tierlin Puxty on Facebook. And I'm really getting into Twitch right now, which is Tier Thunder, T-Y-R, Thunder. And um, in a couple of months, I'm actually going to be live streaming my book launch, which will be really cool because I don't get to party with a lot of the people who do live in America. So, yeah, so I'll be live streaming some performances and we can just chat. And I'm going to be hosting a competition for people who dress up as broken dolls. Whoever looks the most awesome will win a free paperback copy. So, yeah. Make sure to check out Terrilyn's books, uh, Broken Dolls, and the, as she mentioned, the soon-to-be-released sequel, um, I believe, in a couple of months. So yes. that's awesome. My name is Blair Beverage. You can find me at Blair Beverage, at WhoPod, at Webisode Watch. I have all the Twitters. Uh, I have a, a fan page, uh, Blair Beverage, on Facebook. And something I'm going to start promoting, because it's going to be soon, I am in a web series that will be releasing... Uh, new episodes coming up in a few weeks. I'm not going to give it an exact Woo! date yet, but I play the Goblin, Goblin Shaman in a uh, web show called Basic Adventuring 101 that uh, I'm very excited about, and, and we filmed it about a year ago, and, and it's almost ready to go for you guys to see, so you're going to hear me talking a lot about that over the next couple of weeks. Hooray! Yay! And that's Kate Golem Productions, right? Did that? Kate Gollum Productions, the, the main website is Basic Adventuring 101. It's currently under redesign. It should be up soon. Uh, but on, on YouTube, you can find it under Kate Gollum Productions. Thank you, Jody. <laughs> Too good. Well, yeah, well, thank you so much for uh, tuning in once again. I had a lot of fun. It's always great finding out about new humans and old humans and all that kind of stuff. So, yeah. I think that's about it. That's a wrap up. Thanks so much for listening, everyone. See you later. Bye, Bye guys.